Today, an ex-plural wife tells her story of life in polygamy. Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Our guest this time has roots that go way back and deep into the beginnings of fundamentalist Mormon polygamy. She was raised in the AUB, which is also known as the All Red Polygamy Group. Her maternal grandfather was Rulon C. Allred. Her paternal grandfather had been a follower of the Joseph Musser Group, which was later renamed the FLDS. She's also the great-granddaughter of John Y. Barlow, a pioneer in the Mormon fundamentalist movement and leader of what is now the FLDS. So to get with our discussion and to hear her story, I would like to welcome and introduce Kathleen Covington. Hello, Kathleen. Hi, thank you. And thanks for being here. Mm -hmm. And you're visiting Utah right now. You don't live yeah. here, but you're visiting. And yes, briefly through, so I stopped by and said hi. And and agreed to an interview, and I'm certainly grateful for that. It's important to for, for people who maybe are in polygamy and, and are thinking of a way out or looking for a way out, or maybe they just wonder if they should. And to hear stories like yours, I think, encourages them to make a choice yes. to, to get into a better situation. Um, and many people who have been in polygamy have no desire or they're afraid to be interviewed, like, like you're willing to, and um, you have the courage to come and publicly talk about your experience. And some of them aren't. So when, when, they, when others see people come and talk about their experiences, it kind of helps them dispel their fear, so maybe they'll have right. the courage to come and talk too. So, but to hear what your experiences were very important. And just note, when I first left for several years, I wanted nothing to do with uh, telling anybody about my experiences. It yeah. was just too much. Yeah. Uh, well, it is hard. There is a healing time before mm -hmm. you can really talk much about yes. it without having uh, some kind of an emotional situation going on. I understand that too. So in taking all that into consideration, why did you agree to this interview? What purpose did you want or do you want to accomplish through our discussion? Um, I just want people to understand that there is a way out. I want people to understand that there now there's like a lot of help. When I left, there just weren't that many people. Oh, sorry. When I left, there just weren't that many people that um, were actually able to come in and, and help. But there is help now. There's people who can talk to you about what your questions are um, and help you learn and understand what the differences are and what's important to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, so we, we just want to, them to know your story. And your story may parallel or may be much different than theirs. But at the same time, you made it, and you're okay, and you're glad you made it. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and we'll talk about that more as we go on, too. So let's talk about your early family, your, your, your religious history and your brat background. Your, um, your, your grandfather was Rulon Allred, who was yes. the leader of the um, AUB, of SHOT, 
he was shot, um, and I think most of people that know about polygamy are aware of that situation. But what are your memories of knowing him? What kind of a man was he? Was he approachable or elusive or kind or, or, or what kind of a man was he? Was, he was very kind. Um, I uh, went to him when I was 15, and I said, I'm not happy at home. And he brought me to live with one of his wives for about six months so that they could, you know, help me get my feet on the ground and whatever. And he was always kind and he was always thoughtful. And I just didn't pick the big head or anything, you know, that I see now so prevalent. But he just, he was just always good to me. Mm -hmm. And he remembered me and he somehow came across to me that I was important to him. Did he treat all of his grandchildren like that? <clears throat> as far as I know, as far as I know. I know when I was little, I was, uh, of course, from the Kingston group. Um, I've, I was four, four or five years old, and I fell and broke my right arm. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the parents didn't believe in doctors. But I, I must have moaned and groaned in pain for a few days. And they finally took me to him. To, yes. to, and we called him Dr. Allred. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the only way that we ever referred to him was Dr. Allred. Everybody in all the polygamists knew um, the leaders of all the other groups. But I remember he was very, very soft-spoken. And, yes. and it's funny, I was so young, but I still remember him so well when he examined my arm and said, hey, that's broken, you need to put a cast on it. So uh, it's interesting, if, if he was that way in real life, then he would have been a very kind person. I hope he was a kind, plural husband for his wives. From the best I could tell, uh, he was really good, even to my grandmother, who was not favored. Um, she had a lot of depression issues and her house wasn't clean like everybody expected and you know her kids weren't disciplined the way that everybody thought they should be but um, he was even kind with her he would go home to her house and actually do her dishes and help wow. her clean her house whoa now that is yeah. an exception so so he was jailed though wasn't he put in jail one time for yeah polygamy? he was I think in the 40s he was put in jail for polygamy uh, that was during the same time that a lot of the independents were put in jail. Different people were put in jail for polygamy. Uh -huh. They were really pushing it. Uh, in order to get out, he had to sign something saying that he wouldn't live polygamy anymore uh, in order to get out before the end of the term that was mm -hmm. given in jail. Mm -hmm. But uh, he did. Did he cross his fingers when he signed it? Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> okay. In... in, in um, our area of the country, the West, and there's a corridor going from Canada to Mexico that is just mm -hmm. filled with Mormon polygamy, especially in Utah, but also Idaho, Arizona, Mexico, so on. Um, there's a lot of generational families that are generational polygamists. Yes. Um, your grandmother was wife number three, and she suffered from some mental depression um, and was un unable to properly take care of her family. Did polygamy cause that? Would you know if that, be, she was a born from a polygamous father and, and clear back to the beginning of Mormon fundamentalism. Yeah, she was the daughter of John Y. Barlow and she, uh, she had left her family in the FLDS and stayed with my grandfather through all that and that alone was pretty amazing. Um, Rulin Allred did have other women that were stayed in the FLDS and just kept their children. But oh, really, yeah, I didn't know that. He yeah, had wives in the FLDS. Yeah, and um, in the AUB. Yeah, 
But they, they, they divorced him, you know. And stayed with the FLDS. Yes. Because there was a break-off there. Mm -hmm. at, yes. At During point. the break-off, um, they chose to stay, remain with the FLDS. But my grandmother I th um, was one of the ones who stayed with him during that period of time. How interesting! But she had uh, she had a mental, she wasn't like retarded. You said no, but no, she, no. She had she just was a, just a little, extremely depressed, yeah. and she just couldn't um, function with. Proper. She didn't know how to stand up for herself very well. And the, the women, my grandfather's other wives, are really good women, and I have a lot to appreciate with them. But you know, in in the normal pecking order of polygamy, she was easily put down and pushed aside. Mm -hmm for somebody who would actually come across a little bit better or uh, come across as kinder or come across as more on page with him. Mm -hmm. And she she just um, was not able to do that. And, and do you think that that is because of the oppressiveness of females in polygamy, that they really can't have their say, they're not filled emotionally with, fulfilled emotionally with their husbands? I think there's that and also the pecking order that just goes along with yeah. that belief system. Yeah. yeah, I saw I saw that, a lot of that. So how many, so your father, did he live polygamy? No. He didn't have multiple wives, just your no. mother? Just my mother. My mother uh, lived in Mexico when she was young, about eight, and she had rheumatic fever or something like that, just about died. And when she had to learn how to walk and talk all over again, but emotionally she's never really gone past a 12-year-old stage. Mm. So she, the the belief, my, she was my dad's first wife. He wanted other wives, but the belief was is that when they found out she could have children, they didn't want to raise their children and my mother's also. Uh-huh, because so, that's what it would be with mm -hmm. the, okay. So, so he wanted one, but... He j it just never happened. So how many siblings do you have? How many children did I'm you have? I'm the oldest of 13. 13? Mm-hmm. Typical polygamous family. Oh, yeah. Really. That's just oh, not yeah. unusual to have 13 children or more in a polygamous family. Well, let's go to your um, your childhood growing up in a polygamist home. Uh, your father wasn't a polygamist, but polygamy was all around you, and you were part of the polygamy group. So you had teachings. Uh, that the polygamists are unique in how they teach. Did you read, did they teach teach you, and did you personally read the Bible and the Book of Mormon when you were growing up? Did they teach from both books? They didn't get down and teach, teach us. Um, they had the Bible and the Book of Mormon. I was grabbing the Bible and reading it and asking my mom questions, you know, because kids do. And she told me that I should be reading the Book of Mormon because that was the most correct book and that the Bible was had been translated incorrectly. And when I kept reading the Bible, because I was just fascinated, then she hid the book. Mm -hmm. Hid the Bible from you. Yeah, hid the Bible from me and encouraged me to read the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. So I did have a little bit of biblical uh, base, you know, before everything started happening, but yeah, that, it wasn't that's a good. That was important, though, as, as and we'll talk about that later. Yes. But as your life progressed, that was important for you to have that little bit of Bible that stuck with you and stuck inside your, yes. your head. And that wasn't used until four years ago when I left the Mormon church and I had to decide, what do I really believe? Yeah, and that's important too. So, and we'll talk about that later. But now uh, let's talk about the method that they use to indoctrinate you into their belief system. 
every polygamy group has a way that they teach their people this is the only true kingdom of God you have to live polygamy to go to heaven and please God and so on and so forth uh, did they use the biblical examples like Abraham and Sarah and David or did they use Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, John Taylor and all those all how, of the above how they taught all of those to you yeah. as being God's uh, yeah. they were obedient to God's will by living polygamy yes and I, I, I um entered polygamy because I wanted to please God because I thought I was told all my life that's what would please God and I wanted to please God. And, and you wanted to please Him. And I knew my dad was a good man and I figured he probably had the in on it so mm. I did it to mm. please God. Did they use um, uh, their their own people like your grandfather's examples of polygamy why he was a godly man and so you know, Oh yeah there's some really good steps. stories. Yeah. There's some really good stories. Uh, my Aunt Dorothy Solomon has a couple of books out on that. And those are the stories I grew up with. The stories in those books are the stories I grew up with about polygamy. And actually, they're pretty good, most of them. They mm -hmm. really are. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to see the good side, and I thought, this is how it works. It can do, you know, it's doable. And sadly found out that was not really the case. And and it really, it's not the case. It's it's a lot different than those stories that, mm -hmm. that they tell. And again, I have to remind our viewers that Jesus warned the religious leadership of his day um, and rebuked them because they were teaching the doctrines of men and following men rather than the commandments of God. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's what the polygamist groups do. They they teach, and even the Mormon Church does. They have sessions and and sections of time they set apart to to learn about their leaders rather than learn about God and what He has to say. So, how old were you when 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 they started teaching you about polygamy, and you started to understand what they were saying? I was pretty young. My grandfather married identical twins, and I had a question about the. What happens if two identical twins marry identical twins? And my mom's like, well, you know, the, your grandfather has two identical twins and the kids look the same, you know. I mean, it started out with questions like that and, mm -hmm. and just progressed as I, you know, had more questions. But I, that's my first remembrance of... Do you ever remember, yeah. and maybe you don't, but this is a verse I just really come to when I hear your father married identical twins. So many polygamous men marry their sisters. Um, but Leviticus condemns, God condemns marrying rival sisters as rival wives. Do they know about that? Did they ever talk about that? I know that's just glossed over. It's just glossed over. I wonder if they even know it's there. Well, I talk about it all the time, so anybody who watched the show <laughs> knows it's there. Uh, so they did teach polygamy for salvation, that, that yes. not only to please God, um, you, in order to get to celestial glory, you had to live it. Exactly. Did they have a minimum number of wives that they taught you that man had to have? Um, I've heard three off and on. Three? Yeah. That, I think that's the FLDS thinking. I don't think the Kingston group teaches that, although if they do now, I'm not aware of it. But my dad only had two wives, mm -hmm. and he thought he was going to become a god when he died. So mm -hmm. two must have been enough for him. Now, Section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants is Joseph Smith's revelation on plural marriage, on polygamy. But the, the current LDS Church teach that that's only eternal marriage that is teaching there, not polygamy. How were you taught about Section 132? That it supported polygamy and that it was proof that God wanted us to live it. 
you didn't look at it as just eternal marriage, but that it's actually teaching multiple wives. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, would you look back at your childhood, maybe to somebody who wasn't fully aware of all the details, as saying that it was a good childhood, you had good memories, or it was abusive, or mixture, how would you say that? Um, <laughs> we pretty much raised each other. My mom did a, a pretty good job with the younger kids, but she didn't know what to do with teenagers or, or situations. Um, it was more neglect than, than abuse. Um, they were always kind. Um, I actually had some pretty good parents and they didn't even gossip. The only person they ever gossiped about was my aunt who was obviously in a really bad uh, plural situation mm -hmm. and it was well known what they talked about. Mm -hmm. Okay, well that's good, that's nice. Were you aware uh, growing up of the authority that the polygamy group holds over the members in the home? Were you aware of that it intruded into your lives? Priesthood authority? Uh-huh. Yeah, that was just a, a given. That was just accepted. Did you feel oppressed by it at all at any time? Um, not really oppressed, but you got to remember my grandfather was kind. Yeah. And I lived in his home for six months, so... Mm -hmm. um, you well, know. and I think that it gets worse as time goes on, too, which it has. I don't we think know it... That. I think it's changed drastically yeah. since I left. Yeah. I think it has in, in in each group. I think it has for sure. So, how old were you when you knew what time that it was time to get married? Were you told that it was time, or did you know within yourself it was time? Um, I was almost sixteen, and I decided I had a testimony of a guy. He was one of my girlfriend's husbands. She was a second wife, and I just felt that that was where I belonged. So they put me with that family. So they, they authorized you to marry yeah. to marry him. Um, so you did choose him. Yes, the in the AUB that's pretty much the women is given that right to do so. To choose your own husband, mm -hmm. okay. So who was, do you, uh, you don't have to mention his name if you don't want to, you can if you want to. Oh, I don't care. But um, who? how old was he, how old were that you was, when you got married? Yeah, that was John Daly and he was about 20 years older than me. You were how old when you got married? I married him on my 17th birthday. So he was 37, you were 17. Mm -hmm. Sounds like Joseph Smith. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he did. Married. In fact, a lot of his marriages were, were exactly that, where he took a lot of wives, young wives, when he was 37, 38 years old. Uh, sometimes in polygamy groups, subliminal messages or pre-covenant alliances are made while females are still very young, sometimes even infants. Um, and even with underage teens, and they'll covenant that girl to be married to a particular man uh, who is already a polygamist. Do you know of any times an infant girl or, or a pre-pubescent uh, teen has been chosen and, and become someone's future plural, plural wife by that kind of a covenant? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. Um, there were some things that happened, I think, in the FLDS that they basically even didn't even, on most cases, there are a few cases where they married like 13 and 14, but most cases the girl had to be, as a plural wife, at least 17 years old. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I know when when all of this hoop-de-doo came out about Warren Jeffs and, and the child brides and the 12-year-old, you know, in 2008 and so on, when all this started coming out, the Kingston group began instead of marrying girls when they were young, underage, which they had been doing, they deny it, but they had been doing it, uh, but instead of actually marrying them, they would covenant them 
to their future plural husband, which was as binding as the marriage, as their eternal marriage right. sealing ordinance and all that nonsense. Um, but but that so they they were bound to them, but they were not allowed to have marriage relations until she was of age. Do you know of any of that happening in the other groups? Um, in, the, in the other groups, I knew about it, but I didn't. But I hadn't but not in your myself own seen it. And in two thousand eight, I had left. I left in nineteen ninety five. The AUB. Okay, so that was that. Before, so that was yeah. that was after I had left and basically had lost contact with just about everybody. Yeah. So when you married uh, John Daly, what number wife were you? I was number three. Did you like it? Would, would tell us about your marriage. Was it happy? Was it sad? Violent? Abusive? Wonderful? <laughs> it, it was the pecking order. His favorite was the second. That's just human nature. Uh -huh. um, and the first and the second got along better than me, who was the third will, you know. And um, I was young and did stupid young things that all young girls do. And so he figured I was immature. And then you have my grandmother who... Um, I was judged by my grandmother and my mother as being the same, so you have you put that throw that in the monkey wrench into a plural situation, and you know you have a girl who is perceived as not quite being all there, who's not quite there as far as being a mother, not quite there as being a wife, and it realistically there's nothing I could do. It was just mm -hmm. it was a pre-given yeah, belief. Yeah. I wonder if they would have thought something like that because of your mother. Too. Yes, yes, I did say my grandmother and my mother. They oh. just decided I was like my mother, I was like mm -hmm. my grandmother, so mm -hmm. therefore I was judged by, by that, by okay. that and rather than myself. Um, so how many uh, wives did he totally have while you were married to him? Did he take more wives after he you? He took one after me. And she was lost... Was she younger? Was no, she? she was older than me. And she lasted probably nine months. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Did any of his other wives leave him? She left him, but that didn't really cause much of a stir because she hadn't been there that long. She didn't have any children by him, um, whatever. It's when I left that it kind of took the foundation because, you know, they have a scapegoat. I think in every plural family, I was a scapegoat. So when I left, you know, they didn't have anybody to blame for whatever problems they were addressing. So and you were to blame because you were the one that left. Yeah, and I left. So within, oh, God, a couple of months, the other two women had left him. and um, So all of his wives left him? Yeah, and then he married, he, um, his first wife divorced him, his second wife married him, and they went on, he went back to the LDS church, and, and um, the oldest wife was a single parent trying to raise all of her children by herself, and I was, um, I had already married Again, well, no, yeah, I was in the process of getting married again. It was three months after so, I left him that I married. So, how many children did you have with, with this first plural marriage? Uh, with John Daly, I had three. You had three children. Mm -hmm. Um, so how old was the youngest child when you left him? Your youngest child. He was under six months. Wow. Wow. Were you afraid to leave him? No, I just was tired of being ignored. I, you know, my family had treated me a lot better than that, and I figured I deserved better. But I still believed in polygamy. Mm -hmm. I still believe it was a commandment of God. I still believed that I had to 
to do that in order to you know be accepted by him did you ever wonder as a plural wife when you go through and, and it, it is a bad way it's it's an abusive it may not be violently abusive but it is an abusive way for a woman to have to live her life did you ever wonder why god would command such a uh, a sad and hurtful way to get to heaven yeah i even asked it and they told me that it was different when you died and came to heaven things had changed that like he'd radically be... Well, it'd hardly be heaven if it didn't change, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but why, is that, why would a woman have to share her husband to get to heaven? That does not make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. If you understand the Bible, it makes absolutely no sense didn't at all. It makes sense when I was in the Kingston group. I would yeah. think about that a lot, and I'd think, why do you have to do that to go to heaven? That doesn't make sense. No, I was going more by what people told me rather than what the scriptures said. Right, right. Okay, so you married in polygamy not because you wanted to, but because you wanted to please God. Mm -hmm. Did you fear hell, damnation, perdition, uh, God's retribution? Did you fear all of that if you didn't? No, was there, I just wanted you, to please God. So you, there just never was a if you didn't. Yeah, I, that came later, but, but I entered it because I wanted to please God. And so after you married him, and you went through the ceremony, which they have their, their little sealing ceremonies, just like yeah. all the polygamy groups do, which is patterned after the LDS Church's yes. temple ceremony, did you feel like that you had made it, that you were now in God's loving care, that he even now smiled at you? No, and I was amazed because I didn't have God's spirit. I didn't have his approval. I didn't have the feelings that I thought would come when I when I actually entered plural marriage. I thought God would be pleased and he would let me know, and it just didn't happen. It didn't happen, right. Um, you were an all writ. Yes. Did you have, an, it's a name identity, just like the Kingston group. If you're a Kingston, you're mm -hmm. really something, you know. Right. And, and very often they'll say, well, you have to live up to your name kind of thing. Did you have that happen in, in your family? To a certain extent, but you got to remember my grandmother. Um, all of her children are basically, and the children's children, were looked down on as being less than. So even though we were in the upper echelons of the AUB, that particular family was looked down on. Our, um, our particular family was looked down on. Mm. Um, I have some really awesome brothers and sisters that are doing everything they know how, um, but because of the belief system and because of our grandmother and, and their belief that it passes from generation to generation, you know, um, it just doesn't matter. Thing is, you've got all the blue blood in you. You got the Barlow blood. You got the all red blood. I mean, that's pretty heavy stuff. And and your great grandfather was uh, followed Joseph Musser. That's yeah. that's very impressive in the polygamy circles. Right. So did Rulin see all red, but that yeah. was part of the break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when Rulin was shot? Yes, very much. What did that do to you? I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. Um. You know, I just, we just talked to him. He, you know, I remember going to church the Sunday before he was shot, and, and you know, I was like, it just didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, but you didn't know all that was going on behind the scenes either at that time, of course. Most no, but didn't. I, I did know a little bit because um, the, um, well, 
because the other group had had sent uh, pamphlets out to call him yeah. to repentance. We're, we're running out of time now, so, so we're going to catch you on the next one, you know. Uh, and this ends our first discussion with Kathleen. She was born and raised being taught and believing that living polygamy pleased God and was the only way into celestial glory. And our purpose, of course, is to inform polygamists everywhere that the only way to enter celestial glory is through the cross of Jesus Christ, not through polygamy and not even through Mormonism. Jesus alone is the Savior, polygamy isn't, and Jesus does save. So see you next time for our interview with Kathleen Covington. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.